Good morning. 
I feel I've been ministered to already. I'm sure you have as well. About five years ago, I brought to San Ramon Bible Church two messages from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter of the New Testament. The first message I gave the title, The Priority of Love, focusing on the idea that without love we just become an irritating noise. Further, without love we are nothing, and lastly, without love it profits us nothing. The second message I gave then, I gave the title, The Practices of Love, focusing on the 11 qualities that love possesses, qualities like patience and kindness, not being a braggart, not being arrogant, etc., etc. And as I thought of these two messages and on the 15 statements of love, I realized that I had covered 11 of the 15, but I failed to cover one very important verse, which contains the last four statements about love. And that verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 7. And I would like to read this verse to you now from the New International Version. And you can follow in whatever translation you have. Reading verse 7, love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. And for today's reflections then on love, I've given this verse the title, A Love That Never Quits. As we look at our text, I want you to notice a word that's mentioned four times in verse 7. From the New International Version, it's the word always. In other translations, it's all things. I think that many of you know me well enough to know that I spend a great deal of time trying to understand the meaning of words. And this was certainly true with that word always. So what does always mean? And you may be surprised to learn that the word always simply means always. <laughs> and isn't that profound? It means always, no exceptions. And with that in mind, let me reread verse 7 again. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. Love always does certain things, always. Love always does those things. And love always rejects certain other things. And so that's our subject for today, a love that never quits. Have you ever felt like quitting on people? You know, you, you work hard at relationship. You try to understand the other person. You pray about them. And then disappointment you discovered you've made little or no progress. And I sometimes have fallen into the trap and think, what's the use? 
I'm wasting my time. I've poured out a lot of energy and there's no response. I ought to give it up. At another church I used to have on my calendar, the name of someone whom I would call every three months. And one of the elders spoke to me one day and said, uh, give it up. You're getting no response. And so I asked myself, was it time to give up? I was calling four times a year, and that seemed so minimal to me, and I thought I should continue that. But the nagging question still remained there. Should I quit? In light of all of this, it's important for us to realize that the last four characteristics of love focuses on its persistence and perseverance. In verses 8 to 13, Paul shows us that love is permanent because it's designed to remain throughout eternity. And verse 7 points us to the present quality of love, that it persists, that it endures, that it continues on no matter how long the delay or how difficult the circumstances. No matter how negative husbands and wives are with each other, love persists. Gary Thomas, in his wonderful book, The Beautiful Life, said divorce is the refusal of one of the parties to persevere. That really spoke to me. Verse 7 reminds us that there is a toughness to love. It has a determination to continue. Sexual attraction fluctuates, but love endures and grows. Infatuations pass, but love persists. Casual friendships flourish when it's convenient, but love thrives even when it's not convenient. And this characteristic of a love that never quits is exemplified in the life of William Carey, the father of modern missions. When asked for the reason for his success as a missionary for 40 years in India, this is what he said. He said, I can plod. I can persevere in any pursuit. And to this, I owe everything. I sometimes think of myself as a, as a plodder. Just go ahead. Keep on going. When the going gets tough, you keep on going anyway. So I want to look this morning at the four qualities of love that never quit. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians 13. Love always protects, or love bears all things. This statement is so rich in meaning that one English word cannot possibly fulfill its full significance. There are at least three word pictures involved in that word endure or bear or protect. Each of one reveals a different facet of this word love. And the word in Greek is the word stego, S-T-E-G-O. And the first word picture of the word stego is that love always protects. The picture conveys the idea of a roof or a covering designed to keep out all the elements of snow or rain or cold or sleet or whatever. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 4, we're told that a 
that the paralytic's friends got him to the Lord Jesus by digging a hole through the roof. The roof is the same Greek word in our text. Stego. In other places, the word stego refers to a watertight covering designed for protection. It's the instinct of love to protect people. Important as programs and institutions are, love never loses sight of the individual. Love is concerned to create an environment in which people are sheltered, cared for, in which needs are recognized and ministered to, and hurts are taken seriously. You know, this is more difficult than it sounds. But the principle is important to remember. Love protects people. Do you love like this? Do you, do I, protect the people we love? Do we put a roof over them to protect them from unfair criticism? Protect them from the put-down comments that are so common in our world today. Love protects. It protects. A second idea in the word stego is that love always covers faults. And the word stego came to mean to keep confidential or secret or hidden. It carried with it the idea of putting the lid over a bubbling pot lest it boil over and hurt someone. And this kind of love covers over the weaknesses and failings of others and throws a blanket of love over them. And in a related sense, stego was used to describe a ship that was watertight. And so in this sense, love springs no leaks. Love helps to keep an individual afloat, helps them not to sink, and all of this to say that love keeps confidences, that it refuses to gossip, and that it takes no delight in discussing the sins and scandals of others, the shortcomings of others. Now, we don't burn, turn a blind eye to sin. Rather, sin is confronted. And the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 illustrates the strategy of love. He doesn't say, if your brother sins... Tell it to the church as a first step. Let me announce it to all of you that brother so-and-so did thus and thus. Nor do we get on the phone and let everybody know that so-and-so has a big problem. It doesn't say put it in the bulletin. The command is, if your brother sins, go and reprove him in private. Another illustration of this is in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Joseph covered Mary from shame and ridicule and nasty remarks because he loved her. Joseph had no desire to expose Mary. Joseph put a roof over Mary. He covered her. And then per the second meaning, I gave you Joseph covered Mary with silence. The scripture says, quote, not wanting to disgrace her, he desired to put her away secretly. And that's the way of love. It means a determination 
to put away a spirit of criticism and fault-finding and talking about others and replacing it with a longing to cover the faults and seeing them dealt with before God. And this is a concept that's repeated again and again and again in the Scripture. And let me give you three instances. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Isn't that a great verse? Then Proverbs 17 and verse 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. There's a final picture involved in the statement that love bears all things. The word stego came to be used not only of a roof that covers, but the pillars that support the ceiling. Thus it came to have the idea of, of bearing or supporting. From keeping out the elements, it also means to keep up and is used in that way of the bearing walls in our building here. There's a bearing wall over there, I think. And here, yes. Bearing walls. Love always supports people. It senses when others are buckling under the load and moves in to strengthen and encourage them. Love supports people and keeps the roof from crashing down on them. Is anyone discouraged here at Santa Road? Let's love another in this unique way expressed in our verse. Love bears all things. Let me hold you. Holding one another up. By the way, thank you for loving Kathleen and me. It's very encouraging and very supportive. Thank you so much. Back to our text. And a second characteristic of the love that never quits, love always trusts, or love believes all things. Love believes all things? And immediately we're presented with a problem. Is love gullible? Is love naive? If I were to tell you that the carpet in this room is really punk rock pink. <laughs> Would you believe it? Love believes all things. Love, does love close its eyes when a friend or husband or wife distorts the truth? Love always trusts. Surely the text cannot mean that since verse 6 tells us that love rejoices in the truth. Not manufactured stuff. It rejoices in the truth. It's glad when the truth is spoken. In fact, love insists on the truth. And that forces it to make some 
hard choice. <clears throat> I must have been speaking on this same passage a number of years ago, perhaps at Sun Valley, I'm not sure. I think it was Sun Valley. And I raised this hypothetical question. Would you believe, what would you believe about me if you saw me in front of a bar, standing right next to the front door, ready to go in? Before I could finish my hypothetical, there was this dear older lady who stood up in the meeting and said, well, maybe you were going to pass out some tracks. Thank you. This dear lady had understood the passage. She was putting the best construction on my being in front of that bar. Putting on the best construction, love believes all things. It puts the best construction on things. It doesn't believe the worst. It believes the best. It doesn't uh, go into your head and you say, aha, uh -huh, maybe, I wonder if this person is guilty of thus and thus, rather than putting the best construction on things. Martin Luther's explanation of the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, said, excuse him, speak well of him, and put the best construction on everything. Love believes all things. You know, on the surface, it seems ridiculous almost. Well, may the Lord help us to believe all things, to always trust, even though it makes us vulnerable. That is the way of a love that never quits. A third characteristic of love is that it's optimistic. It hopes all things. And the toughest problems in life are people problems. How does love operate then? The answer is that when love's trust is broken, hope continues to operate because love hopes all things. When all the evidence is in and things look dark, hope, love hopes the best. When a loving person has been disappointed repeatedly, love keeps on hoping and continues waiting like the father of the prodigal son. He had been hoping for quite a while. And I, I don't know how long he was up there on the roof of his house looking out toward the horizon, seeing what he might see. Perhaps his son might come today. And then one day that hope was realized. And I imagine he came down from that rooftop in a hurry and began to run. And he did something that was shameful. He ran. A man in his position should not run in that culture because he would be exposing himself to a, to a degree. But Shane, that's my son. And he was hoping for the best. We need to be committed to the hope that God can change people. That he can change the members of our family. 
that he can change our work associates, that he can change our church friends, that he can change me, that he can change you, and that he can change this community. I'm committed to the God that can change all of us. There are two things, two great things that inspire hope and that make it valid. First of all, the grace of God. And secondly, the power of God. He is able. If it were not for the grace of God and the power of God, it would be called a feeble-minded optimism. And you all know the saying, all the king's horses and all the king's men may not be able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but God can. God can. And I need to develop an incurable confidence that the Lord can and will change people no matter how impossible the situation seems. I'm committed to that. And I trust you are too. The final verb. Incidentally, you all know that these 15, I almost said descriptions of love, that would make it an adjective. All of these statements of love are verbs, which means that they're active. Love is patient is better translation, translated, love acts patiently. Love is kind is better translated, love acts kindly. And so through all the 15, they're verbs. They're verbs. The final verb describes love in a love that never quits is love's endurance. It endures all things. For love always perseveres. You know, you begin the study of 1 Corinthians 13 with the reminder in verse 4 that love is patient or love acts patiently. And we conclude with the realization that it remains, it continues even under difficult circumstances and just keeps on going. And the word endure comes from two words that combine to say to remain under. Endurance is the capacity to stay under the load and to remain in the circumstances without turning away or seeking the easy way out and giving up in defeat. That's what love does. When other people fail, we're committed to carry on because love endures. When circumstances are hard and painful, we're committed to carry on. When the enemy is at the gate, we're committed to carry on. You may have had some hard times here at San Ramon, but you've carried on because you love with a love that never quits. It endures. It perseveres. You know, we live at a time when people are running away from responsibility. Marriages break up because a partner just doesn't want the burden of parenthood or some other aspect of the marriage relationship. Ministries and churches go unfulfilled because people don't want to be tied down. Let the leaders do the work. 
know, what's in it for me is almost kind of a national anthem. But true love has staying power. It pays the price of commitment and keeps on going, especially when it would be far easier to quit in order to relieve the pressure. And I'm reminded of the encircled, surrounded American troops in Bastogne in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. Totally surrounded. Their casualties were heavy. They were running low on ammunition. And the Germans were throwing everything they had at the Americans. And during one of the lulls in the battle, the Germans called out for the surrender of the surrounded troops. And the besieged Americans answered with one word, nuts. Germans didn't know what to do with this word. They were going to persevere, in other words. Your surrender doesn't mean much to us. Your, your offer of surrender. They were going to carry on, even though things looked bleak. And they lived, and the siege was broken. They lived to have further combat on another day. And that little story illustrates one more thing about the word endure in our text. It is not primarily a negative or a passive quality. It does not mean that we submit ourselves to difficult circumstances with a spirit of resignation and, and defeat. Oh, woe is me. You know, doesn't do that. It means staying through the heat of the battle and pressing forward to a victory. Love always perseveres. It always endures. The love that never quits. It bears all things, always trusts. It persists, it believes all things. It's trusting, it hopes all things, it is optimistic, it endures all things, it perseveres. And I would like in the, in the few minutes that remain, I'd like to share with you just a little of the God who always loves. It's the God who always loves. While we were helpless, at the right time, God died for the ungodly. Two words, helpless and ungodly. He didn't die for us when we had turned over a new leaf and now we were goody-goody, you know, and so on. It's when we were helpless, when we couldn't help ourselves, when it was time to quit. And we were ungodly, we didn't care for God. No God for me. That's when he died for us, at the hour of our greatest need. In that same chapter, incidentally, that's the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. Another passage there says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
No, we weren't a bunch of good people. We were sinners. We were still sinners then. As I said before, we hadn't turned over a new leaf, even if we could have. It was when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that great? And then the one last one, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Did you notice in all three statements, the death, he died, he died, his death. What God did for us, when we were in the most dire of straits, he did something that cost a great deal, his life. His life. Greater love has no man than this, that a man should give up his life for his friends. But we've already read here how God, what God did. He died for the helpless, for the ungodly, for the sinners, for enemies. That's who he died for. And I'd just like to uh, invite any here who like the notion of love. And, you know, in American, we're, we're kind of romantic. We like the notion of love, and we have some crazy definitions of love. And we use love in so many uh, crazy kind of, kinds of ways. But I'm talking here about a God who loves your life, who lo really loves you, not things, but people, and I'd like to invite any here who have not experienced that kind of love in your life. This morning is a good day. It's rainy outside, maybe, I don't know. It's kind of nice and warm here on the inside. A lot of people here who, who love. Our Lord is in our midst. It's a good time to say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving so much for me that you gave your life for me. What a great day this would be for you to say that. And so I invite you this morning. You know, we can talk until oh, we're blue in the face about love, but if it doesn't touch your heart, we haven't gone very far. So I pray this morning that you'll open your heart to the one who loves you more than you'll ever know, more than I'll ever know. So let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for demonstrating your love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you, Lord, that your name is love. God is love. 
And Father, we thank you that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so, Lord, we uh, commit ourselves to you and ask, Father, that you would bless this congregation of your people. And if there are any here who need you, need you to come into their lives, we pray that hearts might open, be open to receive your love and to be filled up perhaps for the first time with a conscience and heart that's free. Bless us, because we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.